Welcome to the 5G Techvitory podcast, where we will explore the hottest topics in 5G with some of the industry's leading minds. Good afternoon, uh, everyone. It's a great pleasure for me to be here with you today uh, to discuss a topic of paramount importance in our, in our increasingly connected world. Uh, IoT cybersecurity. The IoT has transformed the way uh, we live and work. Uh, it has brought convenience, efficiency, and innovation uh, to the daily lives of citizens and to the operations of businesses. This scenario presents enormous opportunities for growth and progress, but it also uh, exposes to new and evolving threats. These th threats include uh, privacy viola violations, data breaches, as well as the uh, potential for malicious actors to uh, take control over our critical systems. The need uh, for a robust IoT ecosystem uh, has never been more pressing. Uh, we are all familiar with the headlines that uh, highlight the consequences of neglecting IoT uh, cybersecurity. And IoT cybersecurity is not a problem that should be solved by any single entity or technology. It requires uh, collaborative efforts from governments, corporates, uh, researchers, and individuals alike. And these panel discussions uh, bring together uh, experts from, from different fields and backgrounds to, to share their uh, insights, experiences, and uh, best practices in, in this field. And I would like to start uh, this panel discussion by, by asking our panelists here uh, to briefly introduce themselves and, and provide an, an opening statement about uh, this important topic. So maybe we can go by, by order. Uh, Egons, please. Yeah, thank you. Good afternoon. My name is Egons Bush. I'm head of security department at Latvia's Mobile, Mobilized Telephones, LMT. We have three divisions taking care of physical information and cybersecurity, and cybersecurity division is by far the largest by the amount of headhunt head we have here. Um, I think one of the topics we could mention today that the pressure on time to market for commercial sector, it exacerbates the already existing problem of we, we run, we want to achieve everything fast. We need to be, well, right on time. And then we do not have enough time to think, to evaluate. And then what we have at the end of the day, we have cheaper markets in Europe than very advanced Nordics and Baltics that could produce some devices and systems faster than sometimes we do. Pressure to deliver it fast. So therefore we do not really have the time and or, and or legal enforcement to do everything in all industry properly. They are regulated industries, they are doing slightly better, but I think it's one of the topics that regulatory could help. On the other hand, of course, we always need to be careful because it's so easy to over-regulate and make it over-complicated and then maybe a life cycle of a device which should be this amount, it would be like forever and too late, too slow. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Egons. Edgars, please. Yes, good afternoon, everybody. Um, I am the director of the uh, Cybersecurity Policy Department at the Ministry of Defense of Latvia. 
So uh, our main responsibility is uh, the development of cybersecurity policy. So we are the main body in Latvia who is, uh, who is working on all the legislation that is related to cybersecurity. Um, about the, um, the t today's topic, um, I would like to just underline a few points. So first thing, not only a regulation is that uh, matters, it's also the awareness of the risks. So this is a two-way uh, two street, I would say. It's, it's one side what is written on a paper about rules and, and uh, regulations that we have to uh, obey, uh, and, the other, and the other part is uh, what we can do on our individual level as, uh, as individual persons, as citizens, as employees. Um, and, um, and of course, the task for the national uh, national authorities, like the uh, Ministry of Defence, is to make uh, make viable and realistic regulation. As I think Egon has also underlined, that it's very easy to over-regulate something, and and just to make sure that you have the the right balance there, so that you have the rules, but those can be also realistically uh, implemented. Um, and then, uh, as I said as well, so the education of the, in the, of the individuals, uh, the understanding that uh, every uh, device, every product that you connect to the internet is a potential security risk, that, you, that every individual has to understand that. Um, and the last, uh, the last part is um, that taking into account the risks, we should, however, not uh, deter uh, from t t uh, technological development. Um, throughout the history, every new technology uh, has, uh, that has appeared um, has been uh, perceived with some degree of fear and suspicion. Uh, but the, uh, the right uh, way probably is to find the, find the balance between technological development, uh, security and also ethics. So I'll stop here for the beginning. Yeah, thank you, Edgar. I think we will discuss all these points in, in detail later on. Uh, Didzis, please. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Didzis Ozolinch. I'm a systems engineer working for Palto Networks. Palto Networks is a leading threat research and cybersecurity vendor. Well, IoT security, it's uh, really tricky. Many organizations uh, rely on IoT to power and run their businesses. Yet you cannot really apply the same measures, the same security tools which you are applying to secure your workstations and your server infrastructure. So uh, one of the reasons or the most important reason is that IoT devices in most cases are um, like closed appliances, meaning that uh, you cannot really install any endpoint security agents or any custom uh, software on them. So to secure IoT devices in like, like reactive security, all you have left is uh, to inspect the network traffic those devices participate in and to segment them. So not a lot options, right? Also, according to our research, uh, most of the IoT devices run on uh, uh, runs uh, unsupport uh, runs on top of unsupported operating systems and unsupported or outdated software in general. Uh, what does it mean unsupported? It means that uh, vendors are not uh, releasing security fixes uh, and software updates, which uh, in turn means that over time your IoT devices are more and more vulnerable and. Uh, Bad guys obviously know that, and from that perspective, IoT devices are like a low-hanging fruit. And what we have seen is that uh, in 
again, in most cases, uh, IoT devices are uh, just like a stepping stone to get a footprint in inside your organization. So then uh, it's possible to move horizontally, discover new information systems and uh, target them. So IoT security really cannot uh, be uh, neglected. I'm really glad that we are having this dis discussion today. We, we have to talk about that. And in the end, uh, it's uh, like the printer in your office, in your hallway, may not be as innocent as uh, you would think it is, actually. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, thank you, Dietzis. Dimitris, please. Good afternoon, everybody. Dimitris Nikitins, uh, Chief Technology Officer at company TAT. Uh, we provide various uh, technology, telecommunication and security services to our customers, both B2B and uh, residential. As uh, for today's topic, so uh, that's that's the, not the new topic. It uh, it's been buzzed around uh, for some time, and in the last couple of years, we've seen that um, uh, we've recorded record DDoS numbers uh, in the, in the world and. Uh, those uh, DDoS attacks were conducted by video cameras uh, and uh, other IoT de devices. And uh, the importance of the IoT security grows uh, with, uh, with every day. Uh, we now uh, see that the uh, majority of the manufacturer uh, industrial equipment uh, is automated and uh, the old uh, SCADA uh, manufacturing systems uh, are being replaced by new shiny connected IoT uh, uh, network devices. But uh, at the same time, we see that the, the security flows uh, in uh, both systems are pretty similar and the IoT devices are bringing some, some new concerns because the, the overall landscape of the security uh, is, is much broader. Uh, you had SCADA, which was like uh, closed loop systems, and now you have the open uh, network systems, uh, which have to be protected. Uh, the second uh, thing uh, which is uh, growing right now pretty rapidly is the digital twins concept. We have uh, uh, digital twins for, for the factories, for example, where you can uh, read the data in real time, simulate different uh, situations and, uh, and make adjustments. The next big thing uh, which is being developed is uh, the digital twin for, for the cities. That's a lot of critical data flowing around. And I guess uh, we do not want uh, this data data to, to get into the wrong hands, especially considering that uh, nowadays we have the hybrid war going uh, around the world and uh, this kind of data can help the, the uh, malicious actors or even our enemies to, to take uh, some decisive actions. So I guess in these situations we have to understand what we can do better and uh, double down on our investments in, in cyber, cyber security in that field. Okay, thank you for these opening highlights. Let's uh, start. Let's start off uh, an open discussion. Uh, then, by by setting a little bit the scene uh, on the relevance of IoT security uh, in our connected world. So, I will make a, a first question to to Ditsis. Uh, what are the most significant security risks and challenges when it comes to IoT devices and networks? Uh, and second. Can you share some, let's say, real-life examples of, of IoT security problems that uh, you may have faced in the past that can, let's say, illustrate the importance of, of this topic? Yeah, I will, I will speak about the risks first, so I will try to segment them. 
Well, first of all, uh, how many organizations actually do know how many devices are currently connected <laughs> right, to their network? The next thing is that uh, even less organizations know which of those connected devices are actually legitimate. Right? Uh, so lack of visibility, in my opinion, is uh, one of the like base or foundational risks in IoT and actually in IT in general. The next thing is that, uh, as I mentioned in my like opening statements, that uh, in reactive security, you have to rely on network security tools like firewalls, for example, to protect IoT devices. And the thing is that uh, more and more traffic gets encrypted nowadays. So uh, you have to decrypt to be able to inspect and to see what's going on. But the thing is that not everything can be decrypted on a firewall for technical reasons. So there are some challenges also from the network security point of view because you, it's possible that, that you don't even see everything you need to see. I also mentioned about those uh, vulnerable software and unsupported software. The thing is that uh, I would definitely uh, suggest when organizations are about to procure new IoT devices, uh, it's essential that organizations actually request for, uh, from the IoT vendors that the devices they are about to procure or buy, that they will be supported and, rec and will receive software updates for uh, as many years as, uh, as they need, you know, like, like at least five, I suppose, right? And last but not least, uh, supply chain attacks. What does it mean? It means that if somebody would want to target your organization, they don't have to attack you directly or target you directly. They can target your, uh, your partners, your vendors, which you are using to run your business. They will compromise, uh, compromise your partner. You will download and install legitimate software updates, usually those updates are digitally signed by the vendor, so security tools used to trust those updates, and basically in that way you get infected. And uh, luckily, unfortunately for us, supply chain attacks are a big thing, not only in I IoT, but in general. Mm -hmm. And there are a couple of ways uh, how to try to protect yourself. One of the ways is to basically you have to know how your IoT device uh, is behaving in like during normal operations, like it's baseline. And when you know how the IoT device operates, uh, you know if there is a drift in how it behaves. In that way, you can try to catch some really sophisticated uh, supply chain uh, attacks. And about, about uh, some concrete examples, well, you know, those examples are like a lot of them because, you know, the world is powered by IoT nowadays. So. Mm -hmm like uh, planes, railways, uh, data centers, even hospitals, you know, and, and I wouldn't want to be in a position when I need to have a medical treatment and, uh, and this device I need is out of order because of some kind of uh, mis misunfortunate event, mm -hmm. you know, so. Yeah, thank you, thank you, it's it. Uh, so yeah, linking to the to, to your last point, no, I mean, as 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 we all know, there's a big ongoing debate uh, around the challenges of bringing foreign companies, not not EU companies, uh, into the IoT value chain uh, in Europe. So I have a question for for Egons. Uh, 
what are the risks associated with these third-party integrations and dependencies in, in the IoT ecosystem in Europe, and how can they be uh, mitigated somehow? <clears throat> One of the risks is dependency confusion, which comes very close hand-in-hand -hand with supply chain attacks. Almost no software codes these days for IoT devices written from scratch, like, like really starting and writing a code. It's reusing existing operating systems, libraries, other things, which leads to a situation that either, well, two extremes. One, nobody cares. They just install plug and hope everything is fine, which is probably not, not an option really these days. The other is if you do a careful inspection of each and every component of your IoT ecosystem, that actually takes quite an effort. And this brings the situation that on one hand we have nice upcoming regulations, and as to is ready, national regulation will be in place relatively soon. But we do not have real measures at the moment, other than bilateral cooperation, on how to check if the whole supply chain of a device or device ecosystem of IoT devices is secure enough. And for example, a very practical example, if my team checks something and they found that there's something vulnerable, some old library, something bad in a particular product, they would make a nice report. We would suggest or do not suggest the business use it or how to use it or how to secure and then we show it to nobody. And I'm afraid that that's a common problem in, the, in an industry that we do work in our own silos, like organizations, like suppliers to, to businesses, and never tell anyone, or almost never, what we have done. So I think that would be a great area of cooperation within, particularly within the region, the Baltic Nordic region is very advanced, and we could do a lot more in cooperation, therefore saving resources in our cyber and other departments in order to be able to do more business and more well, beneficial business for everybody. Yeah. Thank you, Egons. Although we'll talk about regulation in, uh, in a moment, uh, at present, uh, the reality is that governments and policymakers are conscious of the importance of not over-regulating uh, the IoT market through you know, strict cybersecurity measures and controls. Um, so I have a question for, for Dimitris. Uh, what can be done to balance uh, the need for security uh, with the demand for user friendliness and convenience you know, in, in IoT devices for, for both citizens and, and enterprises? Well, uh, the, the user, the usual user is, a, is, to be honest, quite lazy. And I'm lazy, mm -hmm. the, the, the rest of us are quite lazy. And we are not willing to, to, to deal with the complex configuration tasks. And for example, uh, in an implementation of our products, uh, the security of uh, our solutions and uh, of our customer solutions is uh, not the thing we actually are uh, willing to sacrifice because uh, you can understand if we are delivering the solution for, to the customer and uh, it's being somehow compromised, uh, the customer loses data, then uh, it's, it's a disaster for us and uh, for the customer. And uh, in, uh, in our modern age, uh, you can test out how uh, how fast the device uh, with the uh, root access uh, can be hacked. You can place the device in the open internet and you will see that uh, in the first couple of minutes it will get like 10 uh, hundred uh, hits uh, and uh, scans from, from the other malicious actors. Uh, it's here you have to balance between the automation 
uh, and uh, UX design. So basically, it takes a, a lot of uh, load on your uh, designer teams to, to understand which is the best approach uh, for the customers, how you can implement the interfaces for the customers. Uh, it takes a lot of UX tests to, to, to see what will be the best scenario for the customers. On the other side, as, as the uh, service providers and, and vendors, we have to uh, look out for automations. We have to automate uh, everything uh, what we can uh, and not burden a customer with that. So uh, all the patches, uh, all the security flows should be fixed uh, remotely by us. The device should come uh, with the uh, security by design principle out of the box. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't uh, let customer install the, the device uh, with the uh, username and uh, password admin admin uh, in the uh, admin, uh, in the internet so it's up to us service providers and vendors how we can protect the, the environment of course in the same time we have to educate the the users as well <laughs> thank you Dimitris uh, you touched very important points that we will discuss later uh, now that we are aware of the main risks and threats uh, from a practical point of view, uh, let's discuss about policy and regulation. Uh, so, Edgars, please. Uh, what is currently being done, uh, you know, to address these IoT security concerns from a policy slash regulatory point of view? Uh, and you know, how is the EU policy and regulatory framework functioning? And uh, how is this, let's say, transposed into into national legislation? Yeah, well, the EU is still working on that. So uh, the the main document, the main regulation in, in this area, I would, I would name the uh, Cyber Resilience Act, yeah. uh, which is a proposal by the European Commission and is still being discussed uh, between the Commission, Parliament and the Council. Uh, and I'm not sure how familiar you are with the EU legislative process, and uh, I'm just going to say it's not it's not fast and it's not easy. <laughs> uh, so uh, it will take some time, but uh, but in any case, this uh, this act should come into force uh, three uh, years after its uh, approval. So. If I would have to bet, I would say end of 2027. But what is it about? It's uh, basically about uh, setting minimum security requirement for uh, for connecting device connected devices, um, and also the act will make uh, the manufacturers responsible for ensuring that their products are uh, digitally secure, uh, while also then enabling uh, enabling customers to have greater information regarding the security of devices. How to achieve this greater um, greater uh, awareness of the security of devices. The idea is to um, to have these products uh, uh, marked with uh, CE marking, mm -hmm. uh, so basically indicating they comply with with the new standards that will be uh, that will be written in the Cyber Resilience Act. Uh, so the obligations of that act will uh, will depend on the criticality of the uh, product and software, starting from critical and and then uh, later divided into into classes. Um, how we are planning to implement it nationally, that is still being discussed because, of course, we still have time, but, but always these deadlines, they come somehow suddenly really, really fast. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, uh, what we will have to do is, is to, uh, to create a model how we 
both uh, manage the compliance control, but also certification, national cybersecurity certification. That will, of course, take some time. We have started discussions with different ministries, not only Ministry of Defense, of course, it's also other other uh, institutions involved, but, uh, but basically uh, it will be also connected with the EU certification schemes that also has, uh, have to be approved. So this will all come together with a uh, package of documents that we'll have to implement, but but the main thing for the I think for the end, end users is that they will have a marking uh, that will just state that this is digitally secure product. So I think that that should at least somehow uh, address these uh, these security risks that uh, that we are identifying now. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Edgar. Uh, well, as as we highlighted at the beginning and and you underline now, uh, collaboration among different stakeholders is, is crucial to, to ensure a secure IoT ecosystem. So, Egon, uh, how can public policy encourage collaboration between industry and stakeholders, uh, researchers, governments, uh, and so on, to improve the posture of the IoT market from a security point of view? I think it's already happening, of course, we as a commercial sector would like to happen in a faster pace, but we realize that it's mostly not because somebody's here slow, but the whole European process, briefly, Edgar touched upon. Um, I think the marking of devices is, is very nice. On the other hand, if we go a step further, it's, it's not just the device, and it, it, it itself, the device doesn't produce any harm or do not hack anyone or cannot be easily taken over. I think that maybe even some interim security, minimal security uh, requirements for the ecosystem as such, not just the individual devices, because you take a secure device, change your secure password to admin, admin, as Dmitry mentioned before, and where are you? Or if it's open to the internet, even it was designed securely, but you managed to reconfigure somebody in a maintenance process, say small, medium businesses really struggle to attract uh, talents. They are expensive. We almost have no unemployment in IT and cyber field at all in the region. Therefore, they're trying, how do we get business done? Well, I think the minimal, coming back to the point, minimal security and rather technical requirements would be great. Of course, we are also a great relationship both with regulatory, with, with ministries, with CER.LV and other institutions taking care of. But what I would su suggest and really hope for that we do not wait until 2027 and then suddenly something magical happens. We need to continue our existing cooperation. We need to go deeper and from starting from policy point, which I think works reasonably well and we do cooperate, down to technical settings and interconnections and banning rogue networks, et cetera, et cetera, so practical steps so we can achieve more secure place, not in 2027, but like today, tomorrow, and day after tomorrow. Yeah, thank you, Egon. Very, very interesting points. Uh, now, with the, with the support of DITSIS, uh, I would like to deep dive uh, into more practical <coughs> issues and, and the role of IoT uh, providers. So, what steps are organizations can really take in to ensure the security of the IoT uh, deployments from the design and development to, to the actual maintenance of, of these devices? Really a good question, but before I jump to, into it, I would like to comment on what Edgar said about digitally uh, secured mm -hmm. device. I think the idea is perfect and it perfectly aligns with uh, that we have to demand more from IoT vendors. The thing is, and it connects with uh, uh, it, it connects with operations. 
one thing is that you deliver a digitally secured device, but then you have to maintain the state, and this really affects like uh, companies or organizations like day-to-day -day tasks, operations, because somebody within an organization suddenly have a lot uh, more to do to take care of IoT device, right? So operations is, is a big challenge. Uh, if you take into consideration that in, in many organizations there is like IoT security is basically non-existent and if you want to start to do something from the scratch, it is a big uh, leap right forward. Uh, about uh, practical things, uh, what I have seen from my own experience that basically you could split all the customers in two groups. There is one group which doesn't realize yet how important IoT, IoT security actually is. And again, this is why I, I think the idea to have this conversation today is, is excellent. The other group who understands the risks, they are actively working on that, but of course uh, it's easier said than done. And you, you, sometimes you need to take uh, baby steps. So first of all, as I mentioned, is uh, to gain visibility. And this is uh, where organizations usually begin. They want to have like full asset inventory. They want to understand what kind of assets there are in their uh, network. Then they want to understand which ones of those are legitimate. And in, and in IoT, uh, blacklisting approach doesn't work where you deny for something, so, something right? Only whitelisting approach works. So you have to know where those devices need to connect, and then you uh, design and implement uh, whitelisting security policies. Right. This is uh, this is one thing. Another thing. Uh, so uh, another thing was. Let me quickly remember. Mm. So operations, deployment, uh, ah, segmentation, sorry for that. So as I mentioned that network security is a thing uh, which can actually protect your devices and to achieve that really useful thing to have is micro segmentation because usually IoT devices are kind of like, all of them are plugged in one single flat network. And of course, those devices, they can actually talk technically with each other without uh, going via firewall or your enforcement point, right? So this is also what organizations are doing uh, straight after visibility. They try to segment their network basically to minimize the risk. If something is breached, if something is not secured, still the impact will be minimal. And only then organizations start to think about uh, baselining their IoT devices to understand uh, what is the default behavior and start to catch those sophisticated cyber attacks like, like via supply chain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you, Ditsis. So having discussed the role of IoT providers, uh, we cannot forget, obviously, the role of IoT end users, no? uh, be citizens or enterprises. So uh, you raised the point before about uh, secure by design principles. So uh, coming back to you, Dimitris, uh, why are secure by design principles so important? Uh, and how are IoT device manufacturers implementing this in their, in their products? Well, uh, considering the complexity of uh, IoT uh, networks and IoT systems, uh, 
the vendors to ensure the security of, of those systems uh, the vendors have uh, to start thinking about the security right in the design process of the systems and on uh, of the devices and uh, there are a lot of things to to, to think about so uh, if we are talking about the, the device there is uh, in Trivial, there is the hardware uh, level, there is the software level, there is the network level, and uh, there is the cloud, and which repeats all the mentioned uh, before. So it's you, you have to ensure the security of the, all those uh, elements. And uh, during uh, during the design, you have to understand uh, what will be the encryption uh, of the data stored within the device. Uh, how will be authentication uh, ensured? Uh, how will be ensured the encryption of the data transfer uh, if uh, someone uh, tries to tamper with the network connections as well? And you have to understand uh, that uh, the security should be multi-dimensional, so you won't uh, lose the control and uh, all the data, the control of the device and all the data at once if uh, the device uh, gets compromised. So you have to divide uh, those by levels. So first level is compromised, but uh, the data stays still safe. Unfortunately, this kind of uh, effort uh, costs a lot of money. So to design this, uh, you have to put enormous effort, you have to uh, put a lot of hours into R&D process, uh, and uh, at the end, uh, you have quite expensive device. Uh, what we see uh, so far on the market that uh, the, the people are, uh, in majority, are looking for the best price for a device which uh, fits for purpose. And uh, we see uh, that uh, there are a lot of uh, different uh, cheap devices uh, which uh, satisfy your needs. Basically, they are doing uh, what, what you want, uh, but at the same time, the security level of uh, those devices is so low that the, the student with the manual which uh, he has downloaded from the internet can, can crack it in uh, like a couple of minutes. So uh, basically the, the security is non-existent. Uh, those devices do not uh, receive the updates and uh, uh, their operational uh, system uh, is becoming outdated. Uh, and that, that, that's the problem. We do not have the, the regulation in place. We, we heard that uh, there is uh, ongoing work on the Cyber Resilience Act, uh, which might help in, uh, in the, this dimension because uh, it will force the manufacturers to get, uh, take care of devices, uh, to update those, uh, those devices, to follow on the critical incidents as well. But at the moment, uh, we as a users, uh, both enterprises and, and the customers, have to be uh, a bit more educated on our own security and not to buy the, the cheapest product on the market. And uh, I guess that's uh, here I see the role of both of, of the government and the enterprises to educate the society and to point out the risks uh, which uh, should be evaluated in the process and choose the, the equipment which uh, has been uh, created uh, taking in mind uh, security by design uh, principles. Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you Dimitris. Following up on, on this point with, with Edgars, uh, how can we encourage uh, you know, the education and the awareness uh, from a, an end user perspective uh, for you know, maintaining an, uh, an, uh, a secure IoT ecosystem? Yeah, well, I think that the main, uh, main point here is that the, uh, 
IoT security is not only in the hands of cyber experts, it's, mm. uh, it's the end users that are part of it. So I think until we don't have the understanding that, uh, you know, it's really dangerous to connect your, let's say, phone to the uh, work computer, then uh, until everybody understands that, I don't think that, uh, you know, we can, we can really talk about uh, IoT security as a whole. Uh, but uh, we have to ensure that people are really educated about this. Um, I, uh, I think it was Finland where the, uh, there was a great example of a social campaign uh, where cybersecurity is, uh, is not like an option, but is like an obligation, like a, uh, like a citizen's obligation. Uh, uh, to ensure that uh, that you are uh, acting uh, acting responsibly in the uh, in the cyber uh, in the cybersphere. Um, nationally, our approach here is that uh, that we have also defined in the national cybersecurity strategy uh, is that we want to target all the all the uh, so, uh, societal groups, starting from from youth uh, until until senior citizens, because. Of course, we see that in different uh, age groups there are different uh, uh, different uh, challenges and different uh, risks. Um, social campaigns, uh, and I think here it's really important that we uh, coordinate with uh, both the, the uh, state institutions but also private sector because there are many state institutions that are uh, communicating about cybersecurity. It is not in, not only MOD or CERT-LV. It's also uh, it's also state police, for example, when it comes to cybercrime. Uh, so. Um, just uh, bringing everyone together uh, and understanding how we can uh, how we can um, make these communication activities uh, more targeted, uh, more uh, targeted to the specific uh, societal or age uh, age group. Uh, and finally, I think the, the final point would be about uh, strengthening the cyber hygiene in government. That is another uh, project that we have right now, uh, and that is about having unified guidelines for all the public sector uh, for cyber hygiene, so that we uh, all the public sector has the same rules, the same guidelines, and uh, and it's uh, basically uh, yeah. So no one has the option uh, to create their own rules that might be softer than the general uh, policy. Yeah, thank Thanks. you, Edgar. I would like to ask all, all our panelists to, to give a 30-minute, 30 30-second 30 view uh, <coughs> on the perspectives of the security uh, of the IoT market and, and if there's any recommendations to be made to policymakers, individuals, in general, to, 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 to the stakeholders of this market to, you know, to cope with this evolving market. Maybe we can we can start with the uh, Egons. Okay, yeah. One of the things we are doing already, we are bringing manufacturing back to Europe. For example, we are creating devices and routers and other things and testing them like 5G secure device made entirely in European Union. Well, for example, in our case, in Latvia, together with our Latvian partners. So we bring cheap manufacturing back. We can apply secure by design principles, and then we can more focus on development of the product itself, don't be blinded by uh, initial lower cost of implementation, but looking at the total cost of ownership during the life cycle, and therefore bringing more value to both sides, B2B and B2C, and that I think is very perspective compared to educate each and every elderly people on which uh, origin devices not to buy, rather provide them made in Latvia, made in European Union devices which are secure by design and safe to use. Thank you, Egons. Edgars, please. Uh, yeah, well, Two things I would like to underline. One is the um, 
the necessity to to have a uh, to have a uh, working relationship between the government and industry, and I think that's that's very important in in order to ensure that we do not overregulate. And if we if we do, then uh, then so that you know that you can come to us and tell us, hey, this this will not work. This is this is crazy, and uh, please don't don't do this. So uh, we of course we we try to never overregulate, but uh, but of course there will be mistakes always, and that's why we we just want to have this dialogue always always open with uh, with the industry and the other thing is more about your uh, I think about the um, um, educating your employees talking with your colleagues talk with your friends and family about the risks because you know I think most of the people here in this room might be uh, quite educated and that's why I think it is also our uh, our responsibility to not only talk with our uh, with our colleagues and, and professional uh, sphere but also to talk privately about the risks so that we uh, we make sure that everyone is secure. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Edgar. Did this, please? Yeah, obviously, it's secure by design, and we have to request that from IoT vendors. And the other thing also from IoT vendors is uh, for IoT devices to actually be easily manageable. And it, it would be great if like IoT devices uh, would have an API by default, so actually customers could integrate those IoT devices within their existing security automation workflows. That would, you know, take a lot of uh, extra work away from from people, from technical people, and uh, in the lo long run, will definitely yield some positive results. Thank you, thank you, Dittis. Dimitris, please. So, um, regarding the, how the regulation can help, uh, regulation might help, but it won't be a universal uh, answer uh, to those problems because, uh, as we, uh, we've heard, uh, the changes in the regulation ta are taking some time, but the uh, technology space is uh, developing uh, pretty rapidly. So, we need to understand what uh, would be uh, the key uh, measures how we can rea react on the large uh, large scale um, vulnerabilities within uh, our networks within the EU infrastructure and uh, those should be uh, uh, coordinated and uh, the second one uh, all the of course vendors and uh, service providers should uh, take responsibility for for securing our society both enterprises and uh, and uh, private customers, residential customers, we have to create uh, the services and the products uh, which are uh, developed uh, with the security by design in, in mind. We have to educate people uh, how to install those uh, IoT networks uh, and uh, we have to provide the services for them uh, to be able to install them securely. So uh, that's, that's up to us uh, to, to take care of that as well. Thank you. Thank you, Dimitris. Maybe, Artis, we can check out if we have any questions from the audience. Oh, one quick question from the audience. Do we have a quick question? Yes, in front. Quick question, quick answer. Can we get a microphone there and then we have to yeah. wrap it up? All right. There goes the microphone. Thank you, Christina Yanzhang from the Metaverse Institute. So I wonder, with deep fake become more prevalent across many different industries, is there any solution we can prevent that from like happening, especially linked with IoT-related IT infrastructure? Thank you. Okay, half a minute. Who has the answer? 
Does anyone want to give yeah. a perspective? Yeah, yeah, please. I think the AI has great potential in development, and if we train machine learning in order to not to allow and to recognize deep fakes and other things, that would be the starting point. Everybody mentioned the secure by design, add on top effectivity because well, as a, nobody programs it from scratch, so we reuse, make it clean, make your AI software, in-house software adapted in order to make your development process sort of immune of that and learn quickly from any new vectors, any new attacks which are available as soon as they occur. So basically build a secure design laboratory for your IoT ecosystems would probably be my suggestion in that case. All right, thank you. That's all the time we have right now. So I would like to uh, show you a round of applause from our dear audience. Thank you for the excellent, excellent panel. Thank you.